0: Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What a beautiful throw by the Baker. Big job!
1: baby! touchdown. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. Coming at you on now is your Tuesday morning Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday commute, Tuesday drive home, whatever that is for you. A part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, this show is brought to you by our good friends at TickPick, T-I-C-K, P-I-C-K.com. TickPick does a fantastic job with being the original no-fee ticket site. What you see when you're checking out, looking for the ticket, finding the ticket for you is what you pay at the end. Great application that they have, TickPick, as well as a very friendly web browser setup that will give you ranges of ticket availability and the fairness of the offer. And tickets will come to you within hours after purchase; they'll arrive in your inbox. You can add them to your mobile wallet. Fantastic application! Make sure you use TickPick.com/slash/breakdown to get ten dollars off your first offer. They're so confident in their product that if you find a seat cheaper. They'll match it up to 110%. So hold them to it and make sure you take advantage of that $10 off your first use by going to tickpick.com slash breakdown. So we are going to break down the Cleveland Browns effort in uh, the the offense, uh, which was pretty bad. It was as frustrating as it could possibly be, guys. And you know this. I'm not telling you something you don't know. uh, We'll just hit you with the data real quick. 14 first downs for the entire game. Four of 13 on third down, continuing their trend of being a bottom three team on third downs in the NFL. Story of the year. I'm like a broken record. Only 262 net yards on 57 plays, a 4.6 average gain. The lowest rushing total in the Kevin Stefanski era for Cleveland with only 40 rushing yards, 222 net passing yards, five penalties, two turnovers, six punts and a touchdown, and then a one-for-two field goal, and only 22 minutes of possession to Baltimore's 37. So let's go through... Well, let's talk about the first thing, which is something that I am going to write on tomorrow. Well, I guess it's today. It's here. Is how the Browns' uh, play-calling situation is. And, and, and to me, the answer is not... It just is not to, to uproot the play-calling and give it to Alex Van Pelt. I think the thing that we have to remember here is Alex Van Pelt is an integral part in what the Browns are already doing offensively. And if you point back to offensive coordinator changes and you try to say, well, what did Freddie Kitchens do with an in season change? Well, Freddie Kitchens was the running backs coach. He had no real input in the game plan in the the day of the game processing what they were going to call like Alex Van Pelt is very involved in what they're doing. It's a huge collaboration between AVP up top between Kevin Stefanski and Bill Callahan on the field. So, You know, if you're trying to be like, Stefanski needs to give up play calling, it's just a change for change's sake. There's no real proof that Alex Van Pelt is better than Kevin Stefanski. And if you say, well, Stefanski needs to be doing or involved in other things, he already is, guys. And he's also, he's like every coach he's delegating. You need prefer to handle special teams. You need Joe Woods to handle substitutions on defense. Those things are what you give to your coordinators. They have to do a better job too. It's okay to call those guys out and hold them accountable and stop absolving Alex Van Pelt from any of the offense's wrongdoing like Alex Van Pelt's not sitting in the corner during game planning or he's not upstairs in the head on the headset in games like just not not having input he's hugely involved in what they're doing and he's getting you know there's a collaboration Stefanski's asking for his recommendations what are you seeing tell me what you think we should go with here like these are collaborative situations okay so it's not like Van Pelt has his own ideas to bring in. That's not the case. And why you're clamoring for a guy who had one season in 2009 as an offensive coordinator where he was rushed into the role because a guy got fired right before the season and he did one playoff game where the Pittsburgh Steelers handed the Cleveland Browns 21 points to start the game? Come on man, I respect AVP for what he's done in, in his time here and he had a, he had a nice playoff performance, but you got to understand. It's completely different as an offensive coordinator when, you, first of all, you have no tendencies. Second of all, you have a huge lead to start where you can use both phases of your offense to to, to set up the other. Like, come on, man. Like, w- what are we doing here? I understand you're frustrated, but I'm going to tell you what. You're going to read this article about I'm talking just pass plays. The execution is failing. And you're going to be like, I'm mad at the, offense, the play caller. I'm mad at Kevin Stefanski for this stuff. I'm just telling you, they're leaving stuff on the field and stuff that results in points and a a 25% yardage increase, which then makes the Browns better offensively, obviously. And then more points, more wins, better ball control, all of it. It's just, you gotta, you gotta stop blaming the head coach for execution problems all the time. It's okay to say players have to do it. They have to make the plays. It's okay to do that. When you look at the, the grades uh, from this game, okay, we're going to go through spot by spot like we always do, snap counts. Uh, we'll start actually with the raw data. The Browns ran 11 personnel 18 times, which is pretty low, but was expected because Jamarcus Bradley was their third receiver. They ran sorry, 26 snaps of 12 personnel, season high by far, and largely because 13 personnel, which they ran 13 times, was out the window when Harrison Bryant went out of the game, as he did. So that's your 57 snaps. They ran 20 motion plays, which is a a lower number than they traditionally run, which typically gets into the 50% or more range, but not all too far off. 60 snaps for everybody. There were three, obviously, penalty plays on the offense. So 60 snaps for the offensive line. Baker Mayfield uh, also gets 60, but then Jarvis Landry plays 56. Hooper plays 54. Blake Hance comes in for 50. That means 10 snaps for Jack Conklin. Harrison Bryant only plays 16. David Njoku plays 43. Donovan Peoples-Jones 45. And that's kind of your big group of players. The running back splits were 30-23 to in favor of Nick Chubb. Both guys graded out poorly. I do think they missed opportunities in the run game that were not only because of Baltimore dictating certain things, but I thought the running backs did not run very efficiently. Jamarcus Bradley gets 21 snaps. And Dearness Johnson received six snaps. Michael Dunn got three as an eligible uh, man over. And Jojo Natson got two. And then Demetrik Felton had one snap, which we all know what that resulted in. On the day, Baker Mayfield goes 18 of 37 for a 48.6 completion percentage, 247 yards, one touchdown, a 48.4 passing grade. And that feels pretty right to me. A 26.9 fumble grade, which is quite obvious why. When he was kept clean, that was his best metric of the day. 63.2 when he wasn't blitzed, and a 55.9 when kept clean. He was ha- completed half of his throws. 13 of 26 when not under pressure, 169 yards a touchdown. When under pressure, 14 total dropbacks under pressure, uh, 5 of 11 for 78 yards, a turnover-worthy play in both phases. So he had one big-time throw on that deep over off-play action, which was a beautiful ball to Jarvis Landry. And then he had two turnover-worthy plays, the fumble and then the uh, interception that sailed way over Hooper's head and landed in the Ravens' defensive back's hands, and he dropped it. So those are your metrics for quarterback play on play action in this game. He was a 69.9, a 71.0 play action grade, so that's by far his best. No play action, pretty ugly, uh, 39.6, 13 of 29, 148 yards and a touchdown. So um, 44 completion percentage, never going to be good enough and uh, graded poorly in screen game as you know why they ran two screens on the day thought they could have run more but again Baltimore was playing a ton of man and man is the perfect way to combat screen game uh, a lot of times and they had one screen set up for a huge chunk of yards non-screen throws 17 of 36 a 55.4.4 grade as far as downfield throws he had eight attempts of 20 plus yards so I think we got to stop saying they're not trying to throw it downfield eight attempts Four of eight in this game. That's actually his highest graded throw section uh, on the the game. He's four of eight for 135 yards. His worst was the medium throws. He was one of four. Those are throws 10 to 19 for 16 yards. One of four, again, 16 yards. Short throws, 11 of 18 for 97 yards. So I thought Baker Mayfield was right about adequate. Uh, Not bad enough to cost them the game, but not good enough to help them overcome all of the obvious issues that we saw. Run game-wise, Kareem Hunt, 7 carries, 20 yards. Nick Chubb, 8 carries, 16 yards. Neither of them uh, yards per attempt that they will ever be proud of. They had a 56.0 run grade for Kareem and a 45.5 for Nick. I'd venture to say that's his worst run grade in his time in the NFL. 21 yards after contact for Kareem, 14 for Nick. Zero 10-yard carries in this game. Kareem Kareem had three zone runs, four gap runs. Nick had the same. They were both. Um well sorry I take that back. Kareem had three and three. Nick had four and four. And there were only there was only one missed tackle force between the two of them. So not very good. Nick was solid in pass protection. He had four four pass block snaps that he he graded well in. And then the receiving part of the game too, as we look at the receivers, Nick caught a two of his four targets for twenty three yards for a um so 59.2 receiving grade. So the best grade from the receiving aspect was Harrison Bryant, the tight end. He caught three of three targets for 50 yards and 85.5 grade. Jarvis Landry, a six of nine catch to target ratio, 111 yards, by far his most productive game of the year. And David and Joku had a 75.3, where he got three of his five targets for 35 and a touchdown. Jamarcus Bradley caught two of two for 18 yards, and then. Austin Hooper caught 0 of 3 with um again struggling to catch contested throws. I, I know people want to put a drop on him and I get that, but Pro Football Focus kind of grades it as a pass breakup, not a not a clean drop. So they didn't give him one. They gave Donovan Peoples Jones one on that opening series. He caught two of five on the day for just ten yards, a forty seven point six grade. And like I said, that drop uh, as well. Demetric Felton, 0 for 1 with a drop. Uh, obviously a pretty bad grade your wide guys in this game 16 wide snaps for Jarvis Landry 17 wide snaps for Jamarcus Bradley Donovan Peoples Jones 31 slot snaps 24 for Jarvis Landry 17 for uh, sorry 24 for Jarvis Landry 16 for Austin Hooper as they flexed him out quite a bit the Austin Hooper conundrum continues where I just it's just been a problem he doesn't make contested plays and it's 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 a lot of money for a guy that has to be like, we talk about the quarterback needs schemed up things. Hooper needs schemed up things too. As far as the offensive line, the pass blocking grades were pretty solid. So uh, 43 pass blocking reps for the main four. Blake Hans got 36. He was the one who struggled. He gave up three pressures uh, on the, on the game, 10 total for the team. Two others came from Wyatt Teller and then Jedrick Wills gave up four. So Jed Wills had a 64 pass block grade. Wyatt Teller, 64.8, and then Blake a 25.4, while J.C. Treader and Joel Batonio were pretty solid. And the true pass sets, which are the hardest of the hard pass sets where you have no run predictability, or sorry, play action, run action, anything like that, Jed Wills a 32.6, and Blake a 51.0. So, again, all five not playing their best game. And I'm just telling you, the Browns, as, as I wrote today, the offensive line has to play nearly flawless football, For this team to go anywhere right now because that's how much the pressure is mounting and it wasn't flawless football from them pretty good good enough to win but not flawless and they're there I'm sure Bill Callahan is preaching that they have to be flawless in this in this uh, last six games of the year so pretty even split of run uh, between gap and zone pretty much uh 8 and 7 is the number that I see here with a little wiggle room in between your best zone snap blockers 77.9 for Jed, 77.2 for David and Joku on the run blocking side that is uh sorry on gap side the best were Joel Batonio, Blake Hans and Wyatt Teller, which is not surprising with the grades in the 60s and 1 in the 70s. So not good collectively. Okay, fine, but they were out Physicald in my opinion by the Ravens who I was a little surprised to see that considering how uh how big this game was I was a little disappointed I thought they were okay but again the offensive line has to be dominant dominant for them to win and the running backs didn't help either but I've made my stance clear through writing and I'm gonna write up this stuff tomorrow with Kevin Stefanski and 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 the, the I guess the narrative that is out there about him and this often struggling, that he's getting so much blame for the situation, and I just don't think it's fair. So keep your eye out for that. So for now, we're going to get over to what I think was a really cool session with NFL Network's Mark Sessler on our Monday Twitch Rewind, so I wanted to share that with you. So keep your eye out again for more offensive insights uh, at the OBR write-up and in the ATI, so on and so forth. I'll be in there. Check it out there now. Stephen Thomas hosts. I join late, Mark Sessler, NFL Network, right now.
0: Uh, we are going to go ahead now. We have a special guest coming in. I'm going to just go ahead and bring him in right here from NFL Network. You know him. You love him. It's Mr. Mark Sessler. Mark, thanks so much for making time to join us here on the OBR Twitch channel tonight.
3: Oh, yeah. It's my pleasure and uh, a pleasure to follow uh, Fred Greetham. I had a chance to meet him at the Combine a couple years ago. Love talking with him. So thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah. And you uh, you mentioned today we were talking uh, back and forth, getting ready for the show. You are uh, actually an OBR forum guy from way back when, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh-
3: Absolutely. Um, you know, it's I. I have kids now. There's not as much time um, with the, with a lot of the other stuff going on. But there was a period, really, from I mean, I go back to like the Bernie's insiders days and uh, the the deep dark, like you know, early expansion days. And I can can remember one year specifically when um, I had moved from like Boulder, Colorado, um, with a, a girlfriend at the time, no longer in my uh, hemisphere, I can promise you that. But we broke up, um, we, we, our car, we, had a, we bought a van together and it broke down, um, driving to LA from, from Denver um, in, in Arizona. And she announced that she was a, a desert person and wanted to stay. And I was like, wait a minute, what? Like, I don't want to stay, but we had no money. Um, so I ended up, long story short, ended up in Arizona for a year, um, working a terrible corporate job next to a highway and like in in my downtime and at night, I just would sit on with the version of the OBR back then, the water cooler, and just posting nonstop Brown stuff. It was the Jeff Garcia um, era when they okay. when they had signed him in free agency, and they decided after um, a killer workout with Big Ben in a pouring rainstorm that we don't need Big Ben. We've got Jeff Garcia, so we're right. fine. And so it was a total disaster. But I honestly, um, I, I it, it was one of the most vibrant uh, Brown's sources for me at the time. And it, as, as someone that loves to write, it was a chance to kind of engage and go crazy with other people. So I still check, uh, check the water cooler all the time, because I think it's like the heartbeat of Brown's fans. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a huge part of my fandom and, and past.
0: Yeah, uh, we love our community. I mean, we—I've said this a million times. We—we've we, been about three and a half months. We've had this Twitch channel. We have almost two thousand followers, over six hundred uh, subscribers. Uh, It's—it's it's ridiculous. It's uh, the, the OBR community supports us tremendously. But let's talk about the, uh, this this game and this team uh, first. Real general um are we at the lou brown from major league point should we just save everybody a lot of time and trouble and go out and shoot ourselves at this point
3: well i guess a fair question i i with me when it comes to football and maybe it's the you know all of us as browns fans we've been through so much darkness that sometimes i like just to cut to the reality of where i feel the team is going and i don't think they're going anywhere this year that's just my honest opinion Mm -hmm. i it's, they're not the sum of their parts because I think if you look at the roster from top to bottom on both sides, um, they've drafted really well. They've signed free agents that really fit. Uh, there is bona fide talent because we've seen it at stretches in games where, especially last season, when you started to feel the whole thing coming together, I believe in the coach. I believe in the front office. This year it's just not working. Um, and I, I think one thing about football and the Browns especially – Um, I I jump on 92.3 weekly and sometimes they'll say, you know, what's going on with Baker Mayfield or what's wrong with the Browns. I'm like, I have no idea how to explain (laughs) what I'm seeing. And last night is sort of a microcosm of that. Um, If you look league wide, we're in LA out here. And like, I I think of the Rams the three weeks ago were the toast of the town and seen as a Super Bowl contender. And three weeks later, They're dipped in total chaos with people questioning, are they even a tough team? Are they not physical enough? Which is sort of an absurd thing to say about any NFL team when you've got Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald on your defense. I just, I don't buy into some of that stuff, but the Browns to me are a total enigma. Um, They have been bit hard by injuries up to this point, but I thought last night getting as healthy as they did um, and knowing the Ravens the way they do and to see what unfolded. Um, To think that if someone had said, and, you know, we're all talking about this at this point, you're going to intercept Lamar Jackson, coax him into four interceptions, and get three points out of it. If you take me back to the early point of the season, what they did to Kansas City offensively, what they did a couple weeks ago to Cincinnati, what they did against the Chargers, I would have thought that game is Cleveland's. It's going to be one of these high-moment primetime affairs that makes us believe in what this team could be instead we come out of it with complete total questions and i just look at the rest of their schedule i look at where they are right now i look at the lingering uh, enigma and questions week to week they can't get out of offensively and i say i don't think they're getting out of this they're just like yeah we can we can like look at mathematical ways they get the 7th seed right. and i think it you know naturally we want to do that it's like yeah of course you want to see them maximize who they are and become that wild card team and then anything can happen but i look at the browns and i just don't think anything can happen. I I think that they are heading into an off season, not with like the deepest questions on the planet, not compared to some teams, but with enough questions where it's like, you know what, whatever the plan was going into this year. And really honestly, um, on a smaller level, going into games, adjusting at halftime, adjusting to adversity in the middle of games, they've got to grow. They've got to grow as a coaching staff and as players. I just don't see that happening. And I think last night was sort of uh, as dark as it gets Because of the opponent, too, had that happened against, you know, the Tennessee Titans or the Chicago Bears, I don't think we would be um, soul searching the way that we are as Browns fans. But to happen against the Ravens, to have have the defense play the way they did and the offense look as lost as they were, um, Mm -hmm. it's a dark moment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, it's nice to get a perspective that's not, you know, Cleveland centric, not here you're, you know, a national uh guy even though you're a Browns fan. That's basically saying the same thing that we as analysts and fans have been saying for at least a month, uh if not longer. Yes, we know what the questions are and no, none of us have a freaking clue. I I mean, you no. cannot explain it because I said like 3 weeks ago and I think it's the same thing, what's wrong with the offense? Everything and nothing because it's not like it's one thing all the time they they seem to take turns you know one week the 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 the, uh receiving court can't catch a ball against the Steelers cost them game the next week Baker has a terrible terrible game against the against the Lions but you know they end up winning that game you know and then but you know the 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 offensive line doesn't play as, as well as they could the running game isn't there because everybody's hurt it's it's like they're taking turns being the problem on any given play any given drive and then of course the penalties of course which are just completely the opposite of what we expected after last year with this coaching staff as as prepared as they had them before every game last year under adverse conditions. I never expected them to be this undisciplined with pre-snap penalties this year, but you mentioned, and if you guys have questions for Mark, uh, pop them in the chat. I know you guys are having a, a, a conversation about Baker and we will get to Baker with Mark here in just a few minutes, but if you have other questions about, uh, the coaching staff about Baker, about anything else, pop them in the chat and we'll go ahead and throw them there. Let's talk about the AFC playoff chase. Cause I mentioned it at the top of the show that they are, you know, like you said, mathematically still right there. It's, it's within their grasp on paper, but you look at the the teams that they have coming up and there's simply nothing concrete evidence wise to point to, to say, this is why I believe they can win four out of those last five There's just nothing there. So even though, so if I'm hearing you right, and correct me if I'm wrong, even though all of the AFC West teams who they are battling with uh, play each other and will probably beat each other up. And I think a couple of them get the Colts as well. uh, The opportunity is going to be be there. It just, it's hard to believe that they're going to reel off four wins minimum to get into the playoffs at this point, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, it starts with, you know, going in and dealing with Baltimore again, and you're not going to get the huge defensive advantage that you got in this last game. I mean, after that, the Raiders and the Raiders are, you know, I think Raiders fans are looking at at the Browns and saying, we understand your, your woes because they've been real up and down. They've gone through, they went through a bad losing streak where they look completely lost at sea. And then you get the win over the Cowboys, which was certainly, you know, helped by the refs to some degree, the Packers, the Steelers, the Bengals. Um, I look at all those teams and I'd say the Steelers are the one team that I think the Cleveland should go beat. Um, just because like the the Steelers to me looked totally broken against the Bengals yesterday, to the right. point where I think Big Ben um sent them down the river, Sayonara. But at the same time, Pittsburgh completely took care of their business against Cleveland, and Cleveland against in their own division, you know, has just shown a lack of ability to do that. I mean, the Bengals game. If you really look at what happened there, I mean, it, at the end of the first quarter, I thought Burrow might be ready to throw for about 500 yards in that game. Right. And you know the turnovers were turnovers are, are massive. That's a game where Cleveland's turnovers turned into um, an outpouring of points and it put them in a great position. And the offense was functional, but we just don't trust the Browns to do that on a week to week basis. I hate the idea of dealing with. The Packers on Christmas Day. I don't need that on Christmas Day. That's not (laughs) what we're asking for at this point. But I mean, all of these a month ago looked like winnable um, contests. I just don't see it right now. I I don't see them as a team that when I look at the Colts who, you know, coming out of September, early October, the Colts felt messy to me. You looked at them, they weren't special. They didn't have a player that really looked. said, you know, this is an X factor that teams need to plan for. Well, now Michael Pittman has turned into a true number one. Jonathan Taylor is an MVP candidate. Wentz is playing better than expected, and they're really well coached, and they're well put together, and they're balanced. It's like they're not an easy out at this point. Cleveland doesn't have a chance to play them the way they did last year. So they just aren't in control. I, I just think that they, they're they going to need to go on a hot streak and, and and hope for a ton of success in terms of like how other results want, want line up. But to me, I kind of think like that's great, but – It doesn't really explain where the Browns are. It's like that can all happen. But these lingering questions, and it starts at quarterback. It starts at the wide receiver position. Um, They've lost their identity in a number of these games. And that leads me to, you know, Kevin Stefanski, I think Browns fans would embrace the Kevin Stefanski experience overall. I mean, I I thought last year it was like, wow, for the first time in decades, they have an in-game play caller um, who is creative ingenious um you can trust you don't have to sit around on wednesday and thursday wondering if any of them are doing anything to to prepare for the week ahead and they are i mean this year it's you know this happens to the nfl it's sean mcveigh is getting those questions it's like it doesn't matter who you are it's it's a it's a rough long experience to be a coach for a number of seasons and they're dealing with that right now but uh the browns to me it's like i, I see them as a seven or eight win team right now I, A month ago i would have said 10 or 11 i just i don't feel that way
0: yeah. And, and the thing with Kevin Stefanski game is play calling, because that's been a very uh, a big talking point, because uh, everybody's just we're all searching for answers. And I know you are, too, as a fan. You know, when you take off your analyst hat and turn off the camera and turn into a Browns fan, I know you're sitting there like the rest of us going, I, I cannot figure this team out. And it's so frustrating. Um, but I do find there's a dichotomy out there. it's It's interesting to me that people and I'm just going to lay this out. They blame Baker Mayfield for, and I'm quoting, missing wide-open guys running naked on plays. Okay. Then five minutes later, the exact same guy will come on and say, Kevin Stefanski needs to give up play calling. Well, if he's calling plays where guys are running naked and wide open, why would you ch- – it's it's about execution at that point, right? It can't be both. So I'm not asking you to say which one you think is the bigger issue at this point because I don't think any of us knows, but – I, I Do you think there's people that want Kevin Stefanski gone? And I know that seems ridiculous. You don't pull the plug on, 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 on this staff at this point, right? Absolutely not. Not at all. I I mean, first of all, let's look at the fact that this is the first
3: coaching staff that isn't involved in dramatic infighting with the front office while seasons and off seasons are going on. I mean that they work in unison to me tells me they can get out of this. I, I think that we forget as Browns fans, because this is a new, this is like, yeah, when they were going one in thirty-one, um, that was painful, I guess. But part of me was able to like emotionally disconnect from it because it was like, we get it. Like in theory, they were rebuilding under Sashi Brown, right. and there was some vision, uh, if you wanted to look at it that way. Uh, but you you weren't like clinging to the result week to week. I mean, this was a season that reminds me a little bit of 2019, and I always get a little. Um, concern when this happens, where everyone is telling you the Browns are going to win 12, 13 games and roll into the AFC championship. Like it's 1987 Um, that alarm bells go off for me psychologically when I hear that, but it's just not that easy. And I like, I I would never ever look at Kevin Stefanski and say, we're going to go find a better coach right now uh, than him. And he's the problem. The idea of taking play calling away from him. I just dismiss it entirely. I like Alex Van Pelt is, he's done a nice job with what they've given him to do. And, and he came in uh, during the playoffs last year and against the Steelers and handled his duties well. But like Kevin Stefanski was hired for this. And if you, if you strip him of that, you move into the Matt Nagy world where suddenly your head coach's primary skill set um, is no longer being used and no longer seen as an asset, but the problem that that's just what happens in these seasons. We search for scapegoats. And it, it's like, let's look at the coach. And it, court, the coach and the quarterback, they get paid what they get paid, and they're doing what they're doing because they can absorb that criticism, drown it out, and move on week to week. There's no way that anyone has any proof that giving play calling to someone else on the staff is going to solve these issues that are not just Kevin Stefanski's play-by-play dial-up, but systemic throughout the entire offense. Now, he he's part of the problem in terms of like, why is this offense so – Week to week, inconsistent. Um, you have no idea what you're going to get. Why is it so different than a year ago? I mean that these are these unsolvable problems that they're paid to solve, and we're we're sitting around questioning verbally um, at the same time. Like the idea of blaming Baker Mayfield even for a game last night. I mean, Baker Mayfield had he had he put up the numbers that Lamar Jackson had put up. Uh, I mean, you know, talking heads would be going absolutely nuts and burning their hair on fire. Because Baker Mayfield throwing four picks in a game would be the end of America. I mean, for many sports fans, (laughs) right? But with Lamar Jackson, the difference is it doesn't really matter. And it's not that he is Teflon and that it rolls off a duck's back. It's just that, yeah, you know what? He's going to make those mistakes, but you trust Lamar Jackson to then go do something really special. And he does do that. And and Baker Mayfield necessarily doesn't provide those special plays. So I get the the quarterback's always going to catch the heat. And sure. Baker Mayfield has been really inconsistent. There are health issues going on. I think that he is um, maybe typically not a guy that should be viewed as a first overall draft pick in terms of the special talents he brings. That said, for the Browns, I mean, he's their best option right now. And I, I, I also dismiss the idea of going to Case Keenum, which will be, um, I think, unmasked as a bad idea about a week or two in.
0: Yeah, uh, and, and since we're going to move on to Baker here, I'm going to bring in the OBR's resident uh, uh, film breakdown expert, you know, Jake. Uh, uh, Jake Burns is here. Um, our, everybody's got questions. Everybody, you know, obviously, and like you said, and like we've said a million times, the quarterback is the glory position. So last year when things were going great, Baker Mayfield was the key, got the key to the city. I mean, he could have, uh, he didn't have to pay for anything if he didn't want to. And this year, for about you know half the fan base, he is basically the devil. Um, so what are the options because this is the discussion that we're going to have moving forward if we haven't started already for this upcoming season, as far as I know, the draft class at this point is not putting out anybody that you think you can grab and, and plug in uh, as far as the, and this is where uh, Mark, I want to uh, uh, lean on you here because you have all the national contacts here. Obviously everybody's throwing around Aaron Rodgers last year in green Bay. Where's he going to be a Russell Wilson wants out of Seattle. Where's he going to be? Deshaun Watson is a complete wild card. Then you got guys like Marcus Mariota, Jimmy Garoppolo. Might, his time might be up in San Francisco because they re- supposedly really like Trey Lance. There's all these options out there. Uh personally, I think six is going to be under center week one next year. Uh, wh- what do you think? What what are the options? What are realistic and what are pie in the sky as far as quarterback this coming offseason for the Cleveland Browns?
3: I would I I totally think he's going to be their quarterback next season. I I I just do. Um, I mean, when we talk about someone like Deshaun Watson, like and just let's strip away. All the all the legal issues hanging over him, and the and the idea that the Cleveland Browns or another team would even want to bring him in right. and, and and absorb all that he has a trade clause where he can he basically has to okay where he's going to go. Um, Cleveland is not one of those teams. It's, they've never been mentioned, and you know Browns fans know that because they are, live in Ohio and not in South Beach. A lot of athletes don't want to go to Ohio, and so Deshaun Watson is not an option. Aaron Rodgers. I would be stunned as if he is on the Packers next season. I think beyond all the summer stuff, um, what's happened this year has kind of like, if you want to look between all the, all the business that's going on with Rodgers over the last month or two, that front office um, has tired of him. That That's just, you know, there's little whispers about that, that. I think that's just clear. And I think that divorce is happening now. Where he goes, I would put Denver as the clear front overall, front runner there um, for location. For the fact that they are kind of built for a quarterback to come in, they just re-signed Cortland Sutton, Timothy Patrick. I mean, there's, I think that Vic Fangio probably out the door to get a coach in there that can work with Rodgers. That's that'd be my front runner there. Russell Wilson, um, I see, I see a breakup there as well, and it's not just the stuff that happened last year. I just think that that journey is ending. I don't think Cleveland is a target for any of those guys at all. Um, the rest of the free agent crop is totally wanting. Um, as you said, the draft class doesn't have. Three or four guys that people are salivating over. Cleveland is sticking with Baker Mayfield, barring something really surprising, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. And, and Jake, uh, I'll bring you in real quick here uh, to Mark's point. Even if, you know, let, let's say hypothetically that those guys were options and let's throw, you know, a Marcus Mariota or a Jimmy Garoppolo in there, which personally I think are lateral moves at best, but I've heard their names thrown around. We'll, we'll even throw Matt Ryan in there. Of those, who do you think schematically? Is the bet would be the best fit for Kevin Stefanski the way he likes to run his offense?
1: Well, uh, a lot of guys there I think are fine. I mean, Russell Wilson's done a lot of this stuff in play action. He's been, he's been a guy who's been comfortable turning his back to defenses in the league, uh, can operate out of gun and can, can create a little bit. Uh, Matt Ryan has been in an offense that is, you know, Shanahan based in his career. He's with Arthur Smith, who does a lot of it this year. There, that, that's that's a comfortable fit. Um, as far as others like, you know, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is with Lafleur, and it's a similar structure. It's not they've adapted it and done more things that that Aaron. they It's been a true mold uh, between what Aaron likes and what what you know the the quarterback collective stuff that has come from uh, the coaching tree with with Lafleur. But yeah, I mean, like the, almost all these guys could do it. Uh, it's just a matter of the varying levels of how well they can do it. Uh, even Mariota comes from that structure, and, and Garoppolo comes from that structure at points in his career. So, and this stuff is not foreign to any any of the guys that we're looking at here. I mean, as far as realistic guys, I don't. I just I have a hard time envisioning Russell Wilson will want to come to Cleveland, Aaron Rodgers will want to come to Cleveland, and 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 even. Deshaun Watson has to waive a no trade clause to come to Cleveland. And and I think before the year, we had a little bit of an inflated conversation about these things because we thought the Browns were a little more appealing than what they are. But when you look at where guys go, I mean, Tom Brady's the most recent veteran to go elsewhere. Look at the wide receiver stuff that drew him in. Look at the look at the wide receiver talent in Tampa that he said, hmm, I want to go play there. I, I don't think that's here right now. The Browns could overhaul it. They could go get. A, they could go get a guy in free agency. They could go out and draft a stud. And it's a different perspective after 2022. But I think you guys have pretty much hit the nail on the head here, especially Mark. You know, like I and I've been saying it for a month now. I, I mean, I've I've been very vocal, whether through my podcast or on social, about what I think Baker Mayfield is. But I, it's like 95 percent sure this guy's going to be back next year. He's going to have a clean, I suppose, a clean bill of health and have a chance to once again show what he's worth to this franchise and have one more go at it, partly because of the dead cap, partly because they picked up his option. It's all there. It's all kind of obvious. And, and you can really, while I've been hard on Mayfield, there are clearly things limiting him this year. So, you know, there's, there's that element too. I would like to see him fully healthy and try to do his sure. best in this offense. So, I mean, I think that's still a thing that's out there. I just have kind of changed my, my ceiling of what he can be over time here in the past four years, I was really high. Then I've kind of had to level out, but you know, to to the root of your question, Steve, I definitely think he's, uh, this offense is one that can fit multiple people. And um, I'm also not, I don't think the sky is falling if they run it back with Mayfield in 2022. There is just like this year where everybody was super high on all of this stuff, like Mark alluded to a minute ago, there were people that were saying, well, hey, what 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 if it happens this way, right? Defenses are better. They start to figure him out. There's a little bit of that regression that could happen. There's also a world where we're all down on him, and he comes out and has a pretty good year next year because what do we know about Baker Mayfield, guys? He's a streaky quarterback. He's a streaky quarterback throughout his career, so – It's just it's I I put it this way. I want to see him get another year. I wouldn't blame them if Russell Wilson started to hint publicly. Hey, man, I would come to Cleveland if they got really antsy and did that. I would totally understand it. But as far as what I think is the most realistic thing and what we should all be mentally preparing for, they're going to overhaul the wide receiver position. They're going to do some different tweaks to other uh, offensive positions, maybe, you know, sort of go out and sign a swing tackle Chris Hubbard like player. And run it back and say, "Hey, we've improved separators in the wide receiver room. We're going to continue you with your tight ends that you th- we think you like, and we're going to run this thing back one more time. And if it fall, the bottom falls out from us midseason. Maybe that's why you go out and sign a backup guy like a Trubisky or somebody of that mold, a Mariota or whoever, to give him real competition. To say, okay, man, you got to raise your play, but we're also not saying we want to just replace you. We want to see what it looks like. So." I think that all signs point to that and a long-winded moronic answer. I think that that's where it's going. And I, I definitely, I definitely think we have to keep in check this stuff about other quarterbacks. I just, it's hard. Right. Not, I wouldn't be mouth agape
0: shocked if they were able to figure something out like that, but I would be pretty surprised guys. And Mark, I know you, that leads me to my next question, Mark. I know you have to go at, uh, at the top of the hour here. Cause you have other um, uh, commitments and we appreciate you coming here, but it leads to my question. If quarterbacks are not, realistic upgrading that position or, or, you know, some drastic move there, then obviously the next thing is, and we've all been talking about this. They have to improve the weaponry. They have to get guys who can separate. They have to get guys who are, have yak ability after the catch so that everything is not an eight yard hitch that's brought down at 8 yards. So a question here from Scotty Logjobs, thank you for being here uh, in the chat. Are there any decent wide receivers hitting the free agent market next year? Mark, I'll go to you. We know this uh, this front office doesn't want to spend a ton, so I would not expect a Allen Robinson 20 million dollar a year type guy. I mean, wouldn't put it rule it out, but you know, unless they figure out a way to bring DeVonte Adams with Aaron Rodgers or some kind of crazy deal they put together. Who do you see hitting the market that could be a realistic option for Andrew Berry to target this offseason?
3: Well, I mean, it's, it's an okay market. Um, you could look at someone like, a uh, Mike Williams, um, Michael Gallup, Chris Godwin's a free agent, but these guys, I mean, Chris Godwin's going to be expensive. So right. I, I, I think this team, I think the front office has kind of showed us that they're a build through the draft in a lot of ways. And, um, it, it's meant to be a, pretty good wide receiver class I think that it's, I'd be surprised that they go make a splash play at wide out after, you know, spending two years of people saying we've got to get out from under the OBJ contract and the Jarvis Landry contract. We're just going to absorb another plug and play guy. That's going to come in and has to fit with Baker Mayfield. Um, it's possible. It's just that I, I, I always tend to think that over the years, maybe just because I've been stung as a Browns fan by this, but I've just seen it around the league too, that signing that big wide out, um, in free agency, it, it feels like a, about a two, 250 batting average on that stuff where it works. Um, you know, digs in Buffalo, where, where that was a trade, probably one of the best trades ever because the Vikings go and flip that and get Justin Jefferson. Everyone is happy. Um, that trade's worked for Buffalo. It's one of the few times where you can point to that saying, um, that's been perfect because let's look at Allen Robinson in Chicago. What a nightmare mm-hmm. um, of a career path for him there. Um, is Cleveland going to be where a big blue chip wide receiver is going to want to go. I mean, I don't think that it's the worst thing. It's not saying that you want to, you know, it's a, de- it's a dead zone. It's just that this is a run-based offense. Um, you know, these players talk, and I think the one thing that came out of this season that's a little dark and negative, um, and it's not Baker Mayfield's fault, and I hate it for him, but the, the whole OBJ thing, uh, and then, you know, you've got other, it seems like we've got a, we're like a, a T-ball team where you've got every parent annoyed with how their child's being utilized. Um, you know, critiquing Baker Mayfield left and right. It's just that these players chat a lot. And, and I, I wonder if it's not the most, um, preferred location for a Devonte Adams, a Chris Godwin to go to. I mean, I just, I don't think it is. And so they're Cleveland's going to probably, if I'd had to guess, it's like they are going to, um, be zoned in on wideouts. They're going to draft a bunch and uh, hope he, hopefully better than the Sashi Brown four wideout class from years back. But uh, that's, that would be my guess on what they do, because I don't think you want to allocate and destroy your cap over a wideout that you hope fits into the system.
0: Yeah. If you force me to guess at this moment and there's a long way to go between between now and the offseason, I would think probably a mid-level or lower level free agent type guy so that they're not forced into drafting people because that's how you you reach for picks and then the draft gets screwed up. So they'll bring somebody in so they have something in place in case the value doesn't uh, hit them. But yeah, I would be surprised. I would love it if they went out and got a Godwin or something like that. I'm going to be rooting for it. But I I'm with you. I think. Uh, it, it's probably unrealistic to expect. I know you have to go. Uh, people know they can see you on NFL Network, uh, but what do you have coming up? Anything special coming up? People should be looking out for Where can they find you on social? Go ahead and pimp away before you get out of here, Mark.
3: Well, special would be um, putting it somewhere it doesn't belong. But, I mean, we do, uh, <laughs> we do a weekly show on NFL Network um, that I think airs at like 4 a.m. Uh, uh, on the Western in the Western time zone. So if you're living out here, you're screwed. But if you're uh, where you are, it's on 7 a.m. on Saturdays. Uh, We do our podcast um, on Sunday nights to cover every game. That's our flagship show. Um, That's just on, you can find it at the Around the NFL handle. Um, We do a Tuesday show and we do a Thursday preview. So we're kind of just kind of grinding throughout the whole week there. And uh, we do it until, we do it all year long. So there's maybe too much of us, too much of me. So, but thanks for having me. It was really wonderful
0: to be with you guys. Mark Sessler from the NFL Network, guys. I know you got to go. So thanks for your time, Mark. We really appreciate it. We'll do it again.
3: All right, thanks. Good luck, guys
0: uh jake uh we got a couple of uh questions here if you've got just maybe three to five minutes uh there's a couple of questions in the chat here that i wanted to throw your way uh well you know what let's do this one first since we were just talking about wide receivers and then we'll get to your question ty socks from kevo 680 mike williams uh, i know he's got uh issues with the uh, the drops they seem to be concentration drops but uh yeah that would be a guy probably not going to be as expensive as those other ones and i think his skill set, I haven't really studied him or anything since he came out of college, but I think his skill set is pretty much what we're all talking about. They need, right? What we're looking for,
1: yeah, i would be I would be more than content signing him if the price was right. Um generally afraid of signing wide receivers in free agency just with the with the return is not always right. what you hope for. Uh, I just there's so many examples, but he is fun. He can gallop down the field. He's a big body dude. And um, it, I think that Mayfield will target him on the outside. You got to remember where does Baker like to throw and where is he most accurate along the sidelines? That's just where he is as a quarterback. And Mike Williams can play along the sidelines. So I would be more than fine with with uh with going out and getting him for sure. Yeah, I mean, but again, like it has to be a reasonable ticket. It can't sure. be a preposterous. And I, I don't, I trust them not to do that sort of thing, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody can point to, you know, this front office and say that they'll get held over a barrel because they have to get their guy or anything like that. So they'll have a price on everybody in free agency and they won't go above it. And, you know, usually that works. Uh, it's been working for them, but sometimes it doesn't. And I wanted to throw this one up here. Uh, oh, oh. Wrong one. Sorry, the chat keeps moving. So I keep missing it here from Tysocks 15 another one of our regulars. Thank you for being here. Uh, I think you, this question is pointing to the off season, and correct me in the chat if I'm wrong. I think what you're saying is, what you're asking is, if the patella tendon drags into you know, the summer, I don't know what the timetable is for a return like that, but if we start getting to a place where he may or may not be ready for the start of the season, is right tackle now something we need to be looking at in both free agency and the draft? Well,
1: I don't know what his out is, Steve. I haven't looked to see what the contract looks like dead cap wise. Um, if they do have one, they they could go that route. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, as a Patel, like, is it career threatening? Like, what is the timetable for return even look like? On that? Is it a full year? Is it I haven't even looked. There? I, I can't I don't, say I don't even know. Yeah. Somebody I'm sure in the comments will know, but they will have to address it. I would expect them to address it with a player or like with going out and signing somebody like Chris Hubbard and like Kendall Lamb that you have more tackle depth Mm -hmm. I think that's something we've overlooked I think Blake Hans has tried so hard Mm -hmm. and he's been a fighter but not having Hubbard and Kendall Lamb has put a far bigger strain on this offense than people want to talk about and Um, they, they should be on the prowl for players like that. And I don't know if they will find them, but, uh, those guys are clearly imperative because, you know, what we're seeing here is that they have some capable interior backups. I think Nick Harris is a, is a capable interior guy, Michael Dunn, I consider to be a capable interior guy. And obviously I think Blake Hans has a position somewhere, you know, I, I don't know that he's a right tackle, but he has a position somewhere. So, um i would try my best to figure that out i don't know that conklin's cuttable yet so they're probably going to have to ride it out steve but Mm -hmm. uh i would and then some people are kind of mentioning a nine million dead cap number that's a really tough number to swallow uh for them next year when they're up against the cap because i think they're going to really make a push so yeah somebody like that you know you would hope james hudson can get better Mm -hmm. um it doesn't appear he was uh anywhere near even our low expectations you know like i i don't right i don't i don't even think he lived up to to what we thought his baseline could be or hoped it could be so yeah i do expect them to be aggressive in that lower lower middle tier of offensive tackle which again is it's not an easy place to go try to find people because <laughs> teams want more offensive tackles than, than, are out there. Trust me guys. So, uh, but I, but I do think they should try to get in Greg Sanat. I know he was hurt uh, is hurt. I hope he can come back healthy. I thought he had uh, some nice preseason time. Alex Taylor, another guy who I was interested in in the preseason, Mm -hmm. thought he played well. So hopefully those guys can maybe come back and develop a little bit too, Steve.
0: Well, let me throw one last wrinkle before we get out of here. And it's just something that popped into my head earlier this afternoon as I was uh, out uh, with my wife and, of course, trying to think about football because that's what you do in a a successful marriage, and I work very hard at it. Um, But uh, (laughs) some people have probably forgotten by now, but there was a huge discussion about Jedrick Wills because he was a right tackle. His entire career at Alabama and they flipped him over to the left tackle. So uh, I'm not saying I'm thinking it's going to happen. I'm just saying it's a possibility if they find a value in a left tackle in the draft or in free agency or something like that. Maybe they flip Jed back over to his natural position on the right. And uh, bring in somebody to play left tackle, you know, an Equanu or, or somebody like that. I, you know, it, there's a lot of ways they could go at it. But uh, if Conklin, if it is, and we we have we need to go look it up uh, the patella tendon. But if it does threaten his future here, it's I think it's without question something that they have to uh, to go after. So we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here for the night. Uh, thanks to every single one of you who has been in the chat. Like I said at the top of the show, we did not quite make our 1,000 subscribers by Thanksgiving goal, but We're going to go ahead and give away tickets to multiple games anyway. We will have uh, a pair of tickets to the Ravens game at home in a couple of weeks to give away. We will have a pair of tickets to the Raider game at home in a couple of weeks to give it away. And maybe another one or two after that, but we're not sure on that yet. So we want to thank you guys because we did get a ton of new subscribers and uh, even though we didn't reach our ultimate goal, we wanted to say thank you anyway because we love our OBR community here and the way you guys have supported this Twitch channel from the jump has been absolutely fantastic. So, uh, thanks to our great producer Ian, thanks to the legend himself Fred Greetham for his fantastic segment thanks to the NFL Network's uh, Mark Sessler for coming on, we hope we can have him back and of course thanks to you Jake uh, for coming on here and answering a few questions with me. To every single one of you uh, enjoy the week off okay, Thursday night Jake and I will be back with a live mock draft we hope you see you there but man take some time off enjoy your family be with people that you enjoy because this football team will be back to frustrate us again in just a couple of weeks thanks for tuning in tonight have a great night and as always go browns
1: go browns